You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 77, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. In this episode, we're taking a short pause from our regular guest features in an effort to provide value during the challenges we face together in these unprecedented times. This episode is from a recent webinar that I hosted on how to be productive working remotely and also how to stay connected to others. Head on over to technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. Plus, you'll be the first to know of our upcoming webinars and resources. And I hope you enjoy the upcoming presentation on how to be productive and mindful and stay connected to others while working remotely. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this webinar on how to be productive and stay connected with others when working remotely. I am Robert Plotkin. I'm the founder of Technology for Mindfulness, where I help people to be more productive, focused, and creative when using technology. I'm also a patent lawyer, co-founder of the law firm of Blue Shift IP, where I handle software patents. I have been working remotely for most of the last 20 plus years took my law firm paperless back in 2006. So I have tried, succeeded, failed, experimented with just about every way of working remotely. And I hope to share with you everything that I've learned and hope that I can help you leapfrog over the things that I learned in the early years, the mistakes that I made, which turns out are extremely common kind of mistakes for people to make when they try working remotely. And I know that so many people now, and if you're in this webinar, you are likely in a situation where you have been forced to work remotely or find yourself unexpectedly working remotely for the first time. I know that can be challenging and I'm here to help and support you. So to get started, first, I just hope that all of you are healthy and safe, and the same is true for your families and friends and colleagues and and everyone around you. Today's webinar is going to focus on two things. One is habits, practices, routines that you can use to be productive and efficient when working from home remotely. We're not going to talk very much at all about the tech setup side of things. There's plenty of good resources out there for that. And after this is over, I'm going to send out some links to everyone who's in attendance with some good guides that are out there for how to do the technology setup, the remote meetings, the microphones, everything you need in that regard. The other thing we'll talk about is how to stay connected with other people. One of the reasons that I decided to do this webinar was so many people were coming to me because they knew that I both have worked remotely for so long and because I work on technology and, and, and mindfulness, productivity, and they were saying they're feeling really isolated and they wanted to know how to deal with that. So that'll be the second half of the presentation. And the other other introductory thing I want to say is that a couple of people have said to me that they feel a little uncomfortable, maybe a little bit guilty about the idea of working now on improving their own productivity. They feel it might be a little bit selfish in a time when they want to be 
or feel that they should be focused completely on their own health and the health of their families and their communities. And the thing I'd like to suggest is that those two things are not incompatible with each other and that, in fact, making yourself as productive and efficient as possible in your work can really enable you to be more helpful to yourself and others in in promoting your health and safety. I would analogize it to the way in which you should put your own oxygen mask on when on an airplane before putting it on your child or that person next to you. Protecting yourself, protecting your job, your income, your business, and enabling you to get your work done gives you more time to attend to yourself and the rest of other people around you, and it actually promotes your health and safety. If you're connecting with others digitally now, remotely, you'll be less tempted to go outside, meet with people face-to-face in a way that is not safe or healthy. So I hope that's helpful if you're having any of those feelings or misgivings. If you only remember one thing about the productivity side of this, it's what I found and just about anyone who will talk to you about uh, productivity, working remotely from home, is to have clear boundaries. There's many, many ways to do that. I'll mention a few high level and some specific examples. The first is physical. I strongly suggest that you find a way to set up a physical workspace that's distinct and dedicated to work in your home. If you have the ability to have a separate room, I know not everyone has that space or that ability, but that's ideal. A separate room with a door far away from the kitchen and the television, the living room. A couple of reasons for that. And let me just say, if you don't have the ability to have a separate room, it could be a part of a room. If it's part of a room, they want to have your desk facing the window. So any other distractions, personal things are behind you. You're not seeing them being distracted or attempted by them. You can put a curtain or some other kind of divider around you to create the equivalent of a room. And many people are doing that. And I'm going to share a link to some really creative ways which people are doing that right now. This helps in a couple of ways. One is that when you move into that space and you're there, it helps you get into the mindset of being in work mode, transitioning out of home mode into work mode, because now your, your physical home is both your home and a workspace really helpful to physically divide them to make your own mental transition happen and and stick. The other is it sends a signal to your beloveds around you that you are now working when you're in that space. They see you there. They'll know to respect that. I suggest you keep all of your work stuff, work computers, notes, pads, materials, whatever else you need in your workspace and not outside. And conversely, all personal stuff outside in the personal space. It'll help reinforce that mental divide between work time and personal time by dividing it up by space. A little bit more technically complicated would be to configure your devices to have this kind of divide. I won't get into the details here, but either uh, you could have a separate work laptop or computer and a personal one, Uh, If that's too complicated, too expensive, you can do things like set up different accounts on your computer, uh, on Windows or Mac, uh, a login, essentially, a different username in Windows or in Mac that's just for work, one that's just for personal. Then you would set up apps, let's say, on the desktop that are for work to only appear in your work account. Same for personal. Set up your email. Don't have your personal email account be set up for use on your work account. 
lots of things like that you can do to help enforce that divide. And there's one separate pointer, which applies even if you're not working, working from home, all devices out of the bedroom. (laughs) Just about anyone will advise you that these days, particularly the phone at no time, I would suggest, particularly in that time before you're going to bed and while you're sleeping, keep that phone out of the bedroom. Time boundaries is the next kind of boundary. Ideally, if you can, I know it's not practical for everyone to have a fixed start and end time to the day, you know, like in the old days, nine to five, so that you know before nine, you're in personal mode, you're attending to personal things. And then once that nine o'clock starts, you go into your personal space, into your workspace, and now you're, you're in work mode during that time until the end time. Now, if that's not practical, there are some different ways you can do it. Instead of having start and end time, you could at least have, and I often do this, a time in the morning before which you won't do any work. So let's say you're probably planning to start working at nine, but just say before eight, before 7.30, I will make it a rule not to do any work, not to check work email, not to be at the work desk. And yeah, I'm going to plan to stop at five, but I'm going to make a hard deadline for six, 6.30, that that's the outer limits. Uh, That might be something that's easier to do than to have an exact start and end time. A couple other things, these sound may sound pretty rigid. Build in your own forms of flexibility and times for breaks in a way that works for you. There's a lot of individuality in this. Time for lunch, meals, other types of breaks, exercise, stretching. This is one way in which you can gain that the benefit of being at home for you're with family members. You can actually have a meal or other time built in to be with your family. In otherwise during the workday, you know, there's a, there are some silver linings to this situation that we're finding ourselves in now. So build in the breaks, but I suggest that you be fairly structured about them. Again, different people will want uh, uh, different, different degrees of structure, but I suggest starting out perhaps more structured and then easing up over time. Okay, we're going to go to the first poll, which is what is so far your greatest challenge that you found working from home. I assume if you're on this webinar that you perhaps fairly recently started working from home and that you found some challenges. (laughs) I don't think anyone does it and finds that it's all um, wine and roses. And I've asked that you give one answer that's the most challenging, just to focus. And if whatever's most challenging to you is not on the list, post it in the Q&A. Okay, just about everyone's answered, and I'll share the results. Looks like most people staying focused on work. And remember, there's no right or wrong answer. Whatever you answered is right for you. But I'm sharing the results just so you can see. It's sometimes interesting to see what other people have said. Okay, I talked about boundaries in space, time, and then uh, talk about personal or relational boundaries. This can be challenging, (laughs) a bit controversial, which is uh, you're there at home, probably not alone, probably with your family members. I'd suggest that you talk openly about these kinds of boundaries with each other in advance so that you don't leave the negotiation of those boundaries up to, or at least entirely up to the spur of the moment when you get into conflict over them. You might not be the only one who's working from home now. There might be more than one person. There might be children, various ages, home from school, 
you probably won't be able to think of everything in advance, but I think the more you can get out in the open about what are your physical boundaries, what are each person's physical boundaries, time boundaries, the easier time you'll have when you are trapped in this space with each other. Uh, but remember, there can be a positive silver lining, which is, you know, instead of just thinking of it solely as negotiating boundaries, which you could think of as limits or constricting in some way, talk about what are the positive ways you can uh, agree that you'll have to interact. Like I said, meal times is natural, lunch or other types of breaks or walks with each other. So you may not think of those as boundaries. Those are opportunities to connect whereby talking about it in advance, you'll be more likely to, to agree, uh, agree with each other. The other thing is a, another a way in which you have a different mindset about this that you might find helpful. Instead of thinking of these as boundaries or rules, maybe think of them as also as opportunities for mutually supporting each other. So let's say my goal is to start working at nine. I share that with my partner. We talk about it. Yeah, I want her to not interrupt me at 9.30, but also what if 9.30 rolls around and she sees that I'm not working yet? We might agree that it'd be good for us each to support each other, remind each other of what kinds of parameters we've set for how we want to be working, spending our personal time so we can support each other, give a helpful reminder. I find that helpful because it moves us away from thinking these uh, of these as rules that we're somehow enforcing as if we're policing each other necessarily to, oh, we've all decided this is how we want to spend our time separately and together, and we will support each other in various ways. And there's lots of ways you can be creative about that. Some traps or, uh, for the unwary or common pitfalls to all of this that I found personally in the early years, as I said, I, I hope that I can help you avoid some of these or be aware of them in advance. Anytime you find yourself saying to yourself, I'll just, any sentence starts with, I'll just do the laundry. Oh, I'll just mow the lawn. I'll just, I'm not saying don't do it. But you will probably find that when you start that sentence with, I'll just, you're thinking it's going to be something that will take five minutes and refresh you. And you may find it takes two hours and drains you. So it's an opportunity to practice mindfulness. <laughs> Notice that part of you that's saying, I'll just do something that falls outside of the scope of work or work plan, maybe well-intentioned and then make a conscious decision about it. Similarly, uh, it's very common when people shift from working in an office to working from home, particularly if you don't have a commute and you think, oh, my commute used to be an hour and a half, two hours round trip. I'm going to have so much extra time now at home. It is really easy to overestimate how much extra time you're going to have. Just be really careful about that. And I'd say, set low goals for extra time so that you don't disappoint or frustrate yourself. The last pitfall I'll mention is, is not anticipating how the remote work experience will change over time. It's very common when people start in that first day, first week of, of working remotely to actually feel that it's really positive overall. You don't have that commute. You can be more relaxed. You have more time because of the lack of commute and other things. You, you don't have to go to meetings and so forth. You may find just energy from the difference, you know, how it's a new experience you're having. 
just be prepared. And I'm not trying to burst your bubble. Be prepared for those things to fade and change. The novelty will wear off if in the first couple of days, uh, other people, maybe because in this current situation we're in, are also working from home, adapting. Maybe people are hunkered down. They're not reaching out to you. If oh, I'm getting less messages from people, I'm getting more done. That will start to change over time. People will start reaching out to you, calling, emailing, other things just like before. Another thing which many people don't anticipate the difference between, I call the difference between the sprint of working from home and the marathon is that if you only work from home occasionally, no, one day a month, you probably bring select work to bring home that is easy to do at home. And then you leave the rest of the work to do at work. Well, if you're working from home permanently, you're going to have to do all of your work from home. You won't be able to pick and choose, and you're going to have to find ways of doing the stuff that you find easier to do in the office, instead do it at home. And that may be challenging. So the point is, if you're in that honeymoon period right now, and then next week or the week after, you start finding, oh, this is starting to be really hard. You don't know why. My main suggestion is just know that's natural. Know that's to be expected. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just a natural part of the process of extending what was a short-term thing into something long-term. There are ways to, to deal with that. Go to our next poll. Now that you're working from home, what is your greatest fear about working from home? All right, I'm going to end the polling. It's the same, pretty much the same results as earlier today when I did this webinar. Split between not being able to get enough work done and loneliness, which is the same things I heard from people when they were asking for me to give this webinar. I'm going to skip over a little bit more about productivity stuff uh, that I cover on the website and elsewhere about how to manage notifications and, and turn them off using do not disturb, <clears throat> which is really very valuable whether you're working from home or not. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that over. And you can check out pointers for that on the Technology for Mindfulness website. Instead, I'll switch gears to dealing with the feeling of loneliness and isolation. And, you know, over the years, I've often dealt with that by going out and physically meeting with people, having coffee, lunch, and other things, because, it, you know, it is a real issue to deal with. Now we're really restricted in our ability to do that. So it makes isolation and loneliness even more of a problem. So just as I said, there was one thing to remember on productivity, if, which was boundaries. If you didn't remember anything else, when it comes to isolation, we are very, many of us are very fortunate now that we have the ability through technology to intentionally try to recreate the kinds of personal interactions we have with people face-to-face, -face, but through technology instead. And that's what I'd all encourage you to be really creative and open-minded about, how you can use technology to engage with each other. I'm going to share the screen for a little cartoon. Hope you can see that. It says, experts recommend sticking, sticking to your daily routine even when working from home and shows two people you know, uh, simulating being on the subway in the morning from, from their home. And it's meant to be funny, but, you know, there's something really valuable about that. So what I'm suggesting here is thinking about how you can create virtual versions of real life in-person interactions that you would have in the workplace. So I'll give a few examples. One I call virtual water cooler interactions. A water cooler message or interaction is any kind of casual, like non-urgent 
message or communication you have with someone. When I partnered with my current law partner, Cynthia Gilbert, I'm going to give her credit for this. When we formed our law firm, she started sending me email messages occasionally, subject line, water cooler, you know, and it would be about her daughter or, or something else personal, which would be the kind of thing she would have said to me at the water cooler in the office. But because we worked separately, there was no physical water cooler. And I've picked up on that and do that with her. You can do that. It doesn't matter what technology you use. The point is you're intentionally creating a moment of interaction that would have happened naturally on its own in the workplace. All of these virtual versions take some effort that they don't require when you're in an office with someone. And for that reason, I'll let you know, they're going to feel awkward (laughs) when you do them, at least at first. So be prepared for the feeling of awkwardness. And I encourage you not to let the awkwardness discourage you from engaging in these you know, in mindfulness talking, we talk about moving into, diving into, leaning into an uncomfortable feeling. This is a great example of that. Try things out. And one thing I'll say on the awkwardness is that I found in the past couple of weeks, many people are in a state of being open-minded about new ways of doing things that I haven't seen in a long time. So this is an opportunity You know, you suggest to someone at work, hey, let's do some water cooler messages with each other whenever we feel like it. If you're feeling hesitant to do that because you think they might think you're weird, they may not. Uh, Because of this state we're all in now of really seeking connection and being really open-minded about trying new ways of doing things. So I'll just throw out a few other virtual ideas, virtual coffee, lunch, drinks, anything involving food, which in this case would mean, hey, let's schedule to have lunch at noon. I'll be eating at my desk. You'll be eating at your desk. We'll see each other eating, but we'll be on Zoom with each other instead of face-to-face. If you're a supervisor, a manager, or someone who meets with people to give them feedback or has office hours, you can set up virtual office hours. You know, Tuesday and Thursday from 1 to 2, drop in my virtual office and set up a, a Zoom meeting with your personal meeting ID or some other way for people to drop in on you. That cartoon, you know, joked about a virtual commute, but if you're someone who had normally driven to work with someone, a carpool or family members, or I know plenty of people who've gotten to know people on the train who they commute with regularly, set up a Zoom meeting with them for the 10 minutes before you start work and have a virtual commute. (laughs) Why not? You get to connect with the people you would otherwise connect with. If your commute was an hour, set up the virtual commute for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So it's a win-win. You know, you get shorter commute time, but still get the connection you would get from the commuting. And then in terms of experimenting with this to find what works for you, you can schedule things. Again, may feel awkward to schedule coffee, you know, schedule what would be a spontaneous water cooler moment. You can do it spontaneously with people, or you could have something open. Ended. I just spoke to a client the other day who's got a Zoom room open all day. Most of the time it's empty, but people can come in and out whenever they want to chat with each other. If I go in and there's two other people there, though, they're who I chat with. An open meeting, just like a hallway or open meeting room. There's so many different ways you can try to, to um, create connections intentionally through technology. few pointers. One is... I have been moving towards 
I'm actually going to push myself to do it some more. I've been moving towards defaulting to video whenever it's possible because it feels more connecting and because I'm feeling more isolated and other people are too. I think we often default to email or text or something, or maybe not so much phone these days, but things that aren't as personally connecting. Why? Because they're easy, because they're fast. Right now, we need personal connection as much, if not more than we need speed and efficiency, or at least we need to find ways to balance the two to recreate more of what we had before we were so isolated. So I'd suggest go to video Zoom or some, Skype or something else, unless there's a reason to go to phone or text or email and see how that works. So push yourself. And the key thing here is experiment, do what works best for you. Don't be afraid to try out different things. Uh, and, and keep in mind that a need for balance between some structure and flexibility and realize that that may change over time. And so what is my suggestion here about traps for the unwary? Dress for the office, even when you're at home. One, I find, I may not be in a suit, you know, but dress relatively professionally at home. It helps me get in the work mindset and out of the home mindset if I change my clothing. Maybe that doesn't work for you, but for a lot of people, it does. It tells myself I am now in work mode. The other thing is with more people moving to video, you may very well find someone says on the spot. And if it's your boss or a client or someone you can't say no to, <laughs> you may find you can't say no. And they say, let's do video right now. <laughs> so you want to be ready. Also, why it's maybe good to have a virtual background or a curtain or something else. Here's a trap on the, on the Zoom virtual backgrounds. You need to be ready for someone who says, let's do a Google meeting or something else that's not, <laughs> that's not Zoom and your virtual background won't work. There are cheap curtains uh, that have fake backgrounds. I've got one that has a brick wall, wood panel, other things. They're pretty cheap. They're probably all out of stock on Amazon right now, but you can set them up in a few minutes. Two stands go up quickly. You hang them across a rod. Again, if you don't want to feel stressed out about cleaning up your office or your workspace or people seeing other things, it does not always stop my cat from walking in front of my monitor. <laughs> okay. um, I said already, be prepared for virtualized meetings to feel a little awkward at first. The last thing I'll mention for any of you, and I know we're getting close to time, for any of you who are in a supervisory position of any kind, whether that just means supervising individual people or in a position to make policy, I think it's really important now for people in those positions to make clear, provide clear guidelines now about communicating, including engaging in these kinds of informal personal communications during, quote, work time. Because, of course, the the line has blurred now between personal and work. It's important that people feel comfortable getting on the company's Zoom to have a water cooler conversation. If they think they're going to be penalized for that or judged by management for that, they're not going to do it and they're going to feel more isolated. So people need to feel that they have authorization from on top to initiate these kinds of communications with each other. On the flip side, People need to understand that someone on the receiving end may not be open to that at the moment. Just like if you walk by someone in the office and say, hey, can I 
Uh, If you knock on someone's closed door, it would be okay for them to say, I'm busy right now. There needs to not be pressure to be receptive to these kinds of communications. So I think there's going to have to be a lot of thinking going on at the management supervisor level about how to set some clear guidelines that are clear enough, but also have enough flexibility in them so that people feel comfortable getting the personal human connections they need, while of course having the productivity that we need in the workplace. And it's going to be an ongoing uh, conversation and process. All right, we're just about done. We're going to do our last poll, moving a little bit more towards the positive here, which is what is your greatest hope about working from home? There's a lot that's positive about it and can be, even in this you know, most trying time that we're going through. Pretty common, more free time due to the lack of commute. I think after an adjustment period, that's very, very reasonable to expect that you'll have more time. And interesting, a good number said, you know, I'll be more connected to my family. It's a real silver lining, despite the potential challenges and ways in which you might rub against each other in a conf- conflictual way. It's a lot of great opportunities to reconnect with your family in, in ways that you couldn't otherwise. The final words here. I've already said this about being prepared for the sprint versus the marathon. So I think the last thing I'll say, I know I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about the tech, but there, there is an aspect of that that I would like you to learn from my experience, which is be prepared to need backup tech in ways that you might not at work. And, and I think employers are going to have to start providing for this to a certain extent, because otherwise it's going to be at your own expense. I had a cable modem get fried in a lightning strike a couple of years ago. One, get a surge suppressor that lets you connect your cable into it. If you've got cable <laughs> internet, think about stuff like that. Have another cable modem or whatever your modem is, your router. Have extras in the closet. I do that because I'm in a rural area. And when this stuff happens, it's likely to be in a blizzard when I can't get somewhere. But you know what? Stuff is out of stock now. Delivery times are slow now on all of this tech. You cannot get a webcam online right now. They're all out of stock. So you will be doubly burned if one of your existing pieces of tech goes out and you don't have it and you need it to work and you don't have a backup on hand. So hard drives, laptops, monitors, internet connectivity, Wi-Fi routers, mice, keyboards, think through whatever the absolutely essential things are that you would need to keep working and do whatever you can to get at least one extra. Also on the software side, that might mean email account or internet service provider even. Uh, you know, There might be online cloud services that can go down. I've had that happen. Or if you don't have a backup and they're essential and they're down for four hours, eight, there's a day of work that's lost. So please, please learn from my experience on that, particularly now when you might need to order something now and honestly not get it for a few weeks or a month as things get back into stock. And you will really thank yourself for that when the time comes. Thanks so much, everyone. I hope you stay safe, healthy, and well. Bye now. Thanks for joining us for this special episode of the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode taken from a recent webinar that I hosted on how to be productive and stay connected to others while working remotely. We hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy during this time. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe and rate and review and share the episode with your friends. Don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with author Ron Purser.